Hey, good morning, everyone. We're so glad that you can uh, hang with us this morning uh, online, and uh, we uh, are also excited to be back in the school this week. Uh, and uh, yeah, just uh, excited for all the things, and uh, appreciate everyone uh, working with us this past weekend where we took to being online only and everybody's okay uh, at my home uh, as far as uh, the, the negative test results and all that. That's a good thing, obviously. And so, uh, yeah, that happened and uh, we're good to go. But uh, anyway, thank you for bearing with all that. Uh, it, it just created a moment there where we just felt like we were pretty sure that nobody had it, but um, it just had to play safe. And uh, anyway, appreciate you guys going along with that. Uh, I just want to make mention of some exciting stuff going on at the building right now. Um, and uh, uh, we even made uh, a couple of new uh, decisions this past week on a couple of new things that we're going to go ahead and try to make happen at the same time as everything else. And uh, I'll be honest, I'm really excited about those things. Uh, I think that it's going to have uh, a great impact for the kingdom. Uh, and so I'm uh, not going to tell you what they are. Uh, maybe let it be a surprise. We'll see. See if we share about that before the time comes. But anyway, uh, we are excited and excited to see things progressing well. They're they're throwing. They're about to th start throwing paint on walls. Uh, ceiling grids are up uh, for drop ceilings and things like that. And so, uh, you know, a lot of stuff happening. A lot of things coming together. Just really appreciate uh, Triad and all the work that they're putting in here. So. Um, anyway, let's uh, let's jump into our message this morning. I'm going to pray for us. God, thank you so much for uh, a chance to just take a break uh, from our week and just be able to focus on you and your word and uh, what you have done for us and God, who you've called us to be. And God, I pray uh, that we would uh, allow you to lead us. Uh, Lord, may we lean in on you as hard as we can uh, to uh, be uh, light in this world and uh, to see what it is that you have for us and all the things and all the situations you put us in. Uh, God, all part of your plan. We trust in that. Um, God, speak through your word today. Uh, Lord, thank you that we have this opportunity to share it. Uh, we ask all this in your son's name. Amen. So this morning, I'm um, talking about failure. Everybody loves failure, right? Uh most people don't like failure. Uh, let's just let's just let's just go ahead and admit that up front. Most of us don't like failure. We don't like talking about failure. Uh, as it is, a lot of us feel like a failure most of the time. Um, all all of those things, uh, and it's easy to feel like a failure, isn't it? In a, in a day and age when, like it or not, even if we don't mean to, we spend a lot of time comparing ourselves, and and you know, social media, whatever else. The next door neighbor, uh, you name it. It's just, it's just easy to compare, and that's a that's a huge mistake. We realize that, but yet we still fall into that trap of from time to time uh, doing exactly that. I want to read to you a passage of scripture uh, right now that I think is is hugely important to us uh, in helping us to battle. Uh, this issue that we have of uh, feeling like a failure and putting too much stock into our failures of the past. Uh, it's out of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7, and it says this. It says, So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations... 
a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. We'll stop here for just a second. This is Paul, and Paul is talking about how he has some sort of thing, some sort of, he calls it his the thorn in his flesh, kind of the thorn in his side, so to speak, uh, if you're ever wondering where that uh, terminology came from. And, uh, you know, he's, he, doesn't, he doesn't get into what it is. We don't know if it's a literal physical ailment. A lot of people think that. We don't know if it's a sin that he struggles with. Uh, we don't know if it's uh, uh, somebody that follows him around and trolls him or something. <laughs> we don't know. Uh, and Paul doesn't want us to know. Uh, and I think that that's important for us to not get hung up on that. Uh, because if he wanted us to know, he would have told us. Because he told it all most of the time. Uh, it, it seems to almost be one of the few things that he's a little bit secretive about, but he is clear that he feels like that the Lord is allowing this thing to happen in his life, whatever it is, uh, to keep him from becoming conceited, as he says, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations. Now, what he's talking about is he's talking about things like um, what happened to him on the road to Damascus and and just moments when he feels like that the Lord has, has clearly spoken to him, uh, and he's, he's saying, I feel like that the Lord is allowing this to happen so that I don't start to think greater of myself than I am because of these great things that God is allowing me uh, to be a part of and to see and to know of uh, in this life. So anyway, he goes on in verse uh, 8. He says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. Uh, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So we've got this passage of Scripture here, and we see this moment of Paul struggling through something. Uh, but in the midst of this, Paul says, you know, I realize that the Lord has wanted me to keep this thorn. And on top of that, he says that the Lord has said to him, this isn't Paul's words, he's saying the Lord has said to him, my grace, grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. This is a big statement for us, and it's a big statement for us uh, because it creates so, so many great things for us to latch on to with our faith. Uh, first of all, my grace is sufficient for you. The word sufficient, that's, that's a big word, okay? The word sufficient, that it is sufficient, it is enough. You know, the idea that something is enough. He's saying, that God's grace is enough, that God himself is enough, that Jesus is enough. This is something that, that, that we, we talk about from time to time at 24, and you've probably heard us talk about that. Uh, but I think, it's, I think it's an important thing for us to, to continue to put out there. Jesus is enough. It's not about something else plus Jesus. Jesus is enough. My grace is sufficient for you. He goes on there, he says, for my power is made perfect in weaknesses. And again, it's not Paul saying this, it's the Lord that has said this to Paul. 
And he, so when it says, for my power is made perfect in weakness, it's not Paul's power, it's God's power, has made, is made perfect in weakness. Paul is bringing about something for us to see uh, our weakness. You know, we have weaknesses. We're not, we're not great at everything. We're not perfect at everything. Uh, failure is one of these pieces in life for us that I think uh, is so interesting because uh, we all struggle with it in some form or fashion. Um, and uh, I know that's true for me. I have been actually uh, a part of, a uh, very little bit part of this, but a part of the cleaning process, uh, at least in having to go through and purge things from my parents' home as they have been moving in the last several weeks. In doing that, part of the main part of the stuff that I've been needing to go through is stuff that actually belongs to me. Uh, I lived with my parents all the way through college. Uh, I went to school here in Nashville. It just made sense. I was able to work other jobs, play hot rod, keep my cars in their garage, you know, all these things. It was, you know, I was, you know, I was trying to make the, make the best of it uh, and save a lot of money by not paying for college housing. Um, and so, uh, I have I had things there from my childhood all the way through college. Um, so as we were going through things, I came upon something uh, that I think is is very interesting. And I got to be honest with you, it is a reminder of some of the darkest days of my life. And I'm going to share it with you right now. It is algebra. Algebra is a part of some of the darkest days of my life. I never could get algebra. Algebra almost kept me from graduating high school. It almost kept me from, it's, it's the only class I dropped twice in college because I just kept trying to take it and it just didn't make sense to me. And I tried, I really tried. And I can get into the, all the reasons why I think that I wasn't good at algebra and in algebra one in high school having 10, 10 teachers or so and that year for that one class maybe, I, you know, we won't get into all that. But you know, as I looked through this, you know, as I looked through all these things, I didn't just find this algebra book as this reminder of one of my failures in life. I found other things that reminded me of failure. I found uh, I found an old baseball picture, uh, you know, of us playing uh, ball in high school, and, and uh, you know, I, the truth is, I wasn't a great baseball player. Uh, if I if I was going to be real critical of my baseball performances. Uh, I got to the point where I was really fast and I could catch a ball really well. I couldn't hit worth a dime. And especially after watching the ESPN 30 for 30 with McGuire and Sosa over the last week or so, I just got to tell you, when you hear Mark McGuire say something like, some people are just born to hit a ball a long way, I just thought to myself, I was not that guy, you know? I just wasn't. So it, it kind of isn't a big success story for me, although I still love the game of baseball. And then, and then here was another one of these things that I was reminded of. And it is uh, in college where I took uh, the, my Greek New Testament classes, which I did for, uh, I think, two years. Uh, and um, this is one of the tests from my Greek New Testament class. And I'm here to share with you today as one of your pastors who teaches you regularly from the Bible, that I scored a 12 out of 50 on this Greek New Testament class. It has more X's on it than, 
I, a lot, yeah, it should. It's just, it's really, it's really bad. Uh, but, uh, and again, was reminded, I was not good. I was, I never was good with like other languages. Uh, this is Greek. I actually, actually overcame the Greek New Testament thing. Did okay. I won't say that I was great. Probably more to the failure side. But I won't even tell you about the Hebrew classes I took in seminary. Uh, I straight dropped that like a bad habit because it was so bad. Uh, talk about failure. Uh, you know, I think for us, I think it's easy for us to feel like a failure and latch on to our failures to the point that we become those people who we identify ourselves with our failures. And maybe that's, maybe that's jobs that have been lost, maybe relationships that have been lost, uh, whatever it may be. It is so easy for us to fall into this vein of you know, making us and our identity about our failures. And I want to come back to that passage of Scripture and remind us of this today. That, you know, as we're feeling like we're supposed to measure up to someone else or to something else, that Paul said that the Lord told him that his grace is sufficient for you. His grace is sufficient for you. His grace is enough for you. His grace is enough. He is enough. So why in the world do we go around looking for our worth in everything else when we know we won't find it anywhere other than Jesus himself? But that's what we do. We're like, we're like guys that have endless amounts of money on Oak Island. I don't know if you've seen Oak Island or not, but Oak Island is a... And I, I got to tell you, I've watched every episode of Oak Island. I can't get that part of my life back. I also can't abandon the hunt for treasure on Oak Island as long as they keep making more episodes because I want so badly for these guys to find treasure. But this is a bunch of guys who are hunting for a treasure and they've been hunting for it for years and they've spent untold millions and millions of dollars digging around and doing all this stuff on this island in Nova Scotia looking for a treasure. And the truth is, is we're not much different than that. Because we keep looking for happiness and identity in all these things in the world. His power is made perfect in our weakness. His power is made perfect in the things that we fail at. That's a big statement for us today. His power, again, is not Paul's power. It's God's power. Now, we know what God's power can do, right? Like, I mean, we're, we're fairly clued in on, like, this is the guy that threw stars into a solar system. This is the guy who breathed life into creation, who has brought people back from the dead, who has done unimaginable things that would just blow our minds. The power of God is something that is amazing. And Paul's instructing here to us that his power is made perfect in our weakness. In other words, God's power works in our weakness. God loves to work through our weakness. God loves to work through our failure. I think that we forget that God likes to show off. And that one of the biggest ways that he does that is in our weaknesses. 
Here's the truth. If we could do it all the time, if we, if we, if we won at everything that we did, if we got it right every single time, what do you think we'd be like? We'd be all about us. I mean, Paul talks about that he thinks that God keeps that thorn in his side to keep him from becoming conceited. And that's actually about Paul talking about revelations that he got from God. I, you know, we're bad enough with just, you know, oh, look at what I did today with, you know, I built that all by myself. I did that. I did this. I earned that thing, I, you know. And the truth is, is that God wants us to be reminded that we need him. And we do need him. We know we need him. Here's a question for you today. Where are you weak in your life? Where are you weak that you've said, God can't use me in that way? There's no way possible God could use me in that way. How is it that God chooses people nonstop throughout Scripture and still even to this day to do things in which they were weak? and still use them. He said, Chris, God doesn't do that that much these days. Um, I've got a Greek New Testament test that proves differently. Do you think that the churches of the world are looking for pastors that fail their Greek classes? No. That's generally not a great thing. I was so humbled to uh, read just a little excerpt of John Piper, who I very much admire as a pastor uh, who preaches the gospel. And I love John Piper, and I've met him uh, and just been very blessed by his ministry over the years. Uh, was very blessed to get to read just a little excerpt of, of something where he talked about how he himself uh, had to he quit academia. He quit He quit teaching in college uh, and these types of things. And he said the reason why that he did it is because, number one, uh, he was slow at reading and struggled to remember things. He's slow to read and struggles to remember things. I'm thinking to myself, this is a guy that's written all kinds of books that I own, you know, and uh, and has done so much great work for the church and for Christianity and the kingdom of God, I just can't even say enough. And here's this guy, and he, and he says this, he says uh, that there came a point in his ministry where he realized that he wasn't good at those things, but he realized that he was good enough at figuring out, and God could use him in taking small passage of, of passages of Scripture and determining what God is trying to say in them and sharing those things with others and that people were being blessed by that and that God was using that. That's, that's a huge piece of the puzzle, I think, for us today, is to just be honest with ourselves to realize that God wants to take us where we are and use these things that we don't think are so great about ourselves, these failures, these weaknesses, and use them for His glory and for His kingdom. Our lives in general are kind of this underdog story that we love so much in our favorite movies. The idea that God wants to take those things that we know we may not be good at and then use them for His kingdom somehow, I, th I think is just an amazing thing for us today. So amazing that I think we shouldn't ignore it. 
And I think that we shouldn't ignore thinking from time to time about our failures, but at the same time, not allow those thoughts to become uh, pity and all these things that it's so easy uh, for us to get, uh, you know, very disheartened about or whatever it may be. That's not what God wants us to do with those things. He wants us to look at those things and go, how's God overcome those things in our lives? What kind of failure have you been through in your life that God has overcome? You may not like to think about that or talk about that, but how might God use that? How might somebody else benefit from you telling that story to them as they're going through a struggle in their life, a child, a friend, a family member, whatever it may be, that they can know that they're not alone as we have often felt in our lives, alone during moments of failure. Colossians 1.16 says this, it says, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent, that he might be the greatest. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. It's all in him. He's it, he is the greatest. It is all because of Him, and it is all for Him. And He is the one that has made peace on our behalf by the blood of His cross. You hear the statement, failure is not an option. Uh, I get that statement, and I get how that statement can drive us forward sometimes. But overall, I think that's a dumb statement. And here's why I think that's a dumb statement. I think that if we don't have failures in our past, then it means that we have never taken risks to begin with. As a leader, I've come to this point in my life where I realize that you have to take risks along the way. If you don't take risks along the way, you never, you never venture to see what might be gained on the other side of something. Pushing hard, not, not going with the status quo, all of the things. And I think that's huge for us today. And I think it's okay for us to find that we can be content with our failures. My identity is not in my failures, my sin, or my struggles. And I have plenty of all of those things. My identity is in the victory of Jesus on the cross and from an empty tomb. So what about you? Do you know Jesus? Do you know Him as your Savior? Are you a part of the family of God? You have to know today above everything else I'm saying that God loved you so much that He sent His Son to die for you, to give you forgiveness of sin, to give you like real life and a new life and a life to come even after death. We are defined by Christ. We are not defined by what we know or what we do. When we are weak, we are strong. 
God wants to work through those weaknesses. And because of this, I can be content with my failures. Let's pray together. God, thank you that it's not up to us to win every game and to succeed at everything that we try. God, I pray that you would use us as a people who are willing to risk, knowing that there may be a failure. And and Lord, I, I pray that us doing that is not just about doing it for us, but Lord, for your kingdom, for you, for your glory. God, I pray, Lord, that you would use us, that others might know who you are because you put us in their lives. God, may we risk those things in the conversations that we have with others and how we care about others and love others. God, may those people see Christ in us. Lord, I pray for that person, Lord, right now that is listening to this, that has not trusted in you as their Savior. God, I pray that they might trust in you today. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for us. God, save Save the lost. Bring them to be a part of this family. Lord, thank you for the opportunity we have to ask it, and we do so in your son's name. Amen.